0: I want you to know God's knocking on Earth's door. Second Chronicles chapter 7, while you're there, when you're turning there, I want you to uh, have a few thoughts for just a little over a week. I remember I was telling Nita just last week, we got back on Saturday, and um, uh, this thing was just starting. I mean, I remember a week ago, it seems like an eternity ago, everything was kind of like, oh, okay, it's down in Italy, yeah, 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 but what a difference the week has made. Well, this past week or so, we've heard a lot from our government leaders. Leo Varadkar said, we have not witnessed a pandemic of this nature in living memory, and this is uncharted territory for us. You know what Leo is saying? We don't know what to do. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson said of the coronavirus, he said, this is the worst public health crisis for a generation, and it will cause severe disruption for many months. President Donald Trump declared a state of national emergency and then shut down all travel between the U.S., Europe, and China. I mean, it's just drastic. We've heard from our medical professionals. On Thursday, the World Health Organization declared the coronavirus a global pandemic. So far, I checked this morning, there are 157,000 people infected so far. It's spread out through 125 countries, and there are nearly 6,000 dead just from this one virus we've also if you have any kind of connection or whatever you'll hear from the conspiracy theorists saying that this is an engineered virus meant to cripple the world and kill off most of the older population and then there are those who believe it actually doesn't exist and they say all it's all just like a movie set it's all just hype and it's all just so the government will take away all our rights you'll hear all kinds of stuff coming at you folks and uh, if you're even in the shop, what are you going to talk about? You're standing in line, you're getting your toilet paper. <laughs> uh, if there's any left over there, and what is everybody talking about? You, there's fear, there's panic. I saw it on Wednesday. Lidl, I'd never seen so many. It was bigger than Christmas here at the little shop. And I'll be honest with you, I can't make sense of it all. I don't think anybody can sort of just... Chart a course through all this thing so right. A week a week from now, everybody look back and say, "Oh, we should have done this," and "Oh, we should have done." This. There's no way we can chart exactly what should be done. So, we need to hear from God. I need to listen to Him, and uh, it's found in Second Chronicles chapter se- uh, chapter uh, seven, please. Second Chronicles chapter seven, and verse. Uh, we'll read verse thirteen and fourteen. <clears throat> When you turn there, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, in this brief time, we need to do what has always been done in times of trouble. We need to pray. We need to stop and listen to you. We need to humble ourselves and say, God, what are you trying to tell us? You've got our attention, at least some of us. So please speak. I pray that you would humble our hearts under the weight of 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 the uncertainty. Because that's where you dwell. You're there when we can't control it. And you ask us to trust you. So will we do that today? Will we listen to you? And do what we're supposed to do, God? Somebody in this room has been comfortable in their sin, comfortable in their life. And they've never been born again. Well, this is a wake-up call. This is that day, the day of salvation. This is that time for somebody to cry out to you from their heart of hearts and say, God, I'm ready. Sorry I've waited so long, but I'm not going to wait any longer because I may not have any longer. So, Lord, I pray that you would open eyes, open hearts, and help us, God, as Christians, to heed these scriptures we're about to read now. These are for us. And if we don't take this serious, then the world is lost. There will never know hope. Without God, without hope in this world, somebody's, somebody's going to suffer and die and go to hell. Let's mourn help us to take our responsibility very seriously now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Now, 2 Chronicles, look at verse 13. 2 Chronicles 7, 13. If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain. Guess who's talking? God. Or if I command the locusts to devour the land. Well, here's the thing that's uh, appropriate. Or if I send pestilence. Now, I know everyone had a little brother who was a pest. (laughs) But that's not the kind of pest. A pest is a plague, a disease. And if I send pestilence among my people. Think about, look at that. I mean, God says, I take responsibility for shutting off the rain. I mean, uh, I have people ask me, why is it so green in Ireland? I say, because it's raining, okay? But if the rain stops, and it does. uh, God says, I can send locusts and they'll devour all the crops. I can send pestilence, plague, and disease. This is what I take credit for. We can say, well, it's all natural. Oh, it's of the devil. Now, let me tell you, God says, I do it. Now, there's a reason for God doing all of that. And it's probably not the end of the world. I don't think we're at the end of the world exactly now. I think we're pretty close. You know, the world has been in a situation like this a lot of times before. During World War II, just 80 years ago, 60 million people died. I can't comprehend that. So when we talk about the number of deaths that are potential with this, all of a sudden realize we've been here before. A hundred years ago, the Spanish flu infected 500 million people And 50 million of them died. Just 10 years ago, in 2009, 300,000 people died by H1N1 called the swine flu. That's within the past 100 years. And by the way, can I, could you pass that back to Olga back there? Well, no, that's in Russian so that she can follow along. (laughs) And I don't know. Also, let me say this. Her pastor was here, he came, couldn't change his flight, so he went ahead and came, he arrived, what day did he arrive, on Thursday? Arrived on Thursday from Ukraine, okay? So he got here, and then everything started closing up, and this morning he got an email at 2 a.m. in the morning saying you gotta come home from the, uh, uh, from the government, saying, because we're closing the border. And t- today, this morning, he drove up, and in 30 minutes he got there, so he was able to get on the flight just in 30 minutes, and he went been home, so he's gone, You're going to get to meet them today. It was terrible. They got to see them already. But um, uh, just in the past hundred years, a lot of, a lot of deaths, a lot of disasters. You got to go. You you start going back in history. You go to something called the bubonic plague, the Black Plague, cholera sweeping through Europe. Absolute uh, deaths. How many know about the Aztecs and the Mayans? They are over in Central America. They were all wiped out. Nobody knows why. Just something, a disease or something. Just just remove them off the face of the planets. You see, this event, and you can't just sort of brush it off, this event is big, and there's a reason for the troubles that our world faces regularly. Go to Isaiah 59. You hold your place here. I know I'm going to have you constantly come back to this one scripture. Isaiah 59. And verse 12. You deny it all you want, but it's an old-fashioned idea called... that is the reason why we have these troubles Isaiah 59 in verse 12 for our transgressions are multiplied I'm sorry Isaiah 59 verse 1 sorry should be 1 and 2 I don't have a comma there behold the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear but it is your what what's the word talk to me It's your iniquities that have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. We're on our own, is what he's saying. Our sins, both individually and nationally, come back to haunt us regularly. Galatians 6, 7 says, Be not deceived. What's the rest of the verse say? God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So when you and I plant and sow our rebellion against God and pile up our secret sins, when more and more of the world decides that they can live any way that they want, when sin becomes a normal way of life for more and more people, then we will reap such a disastrous harvest of consequences that we've never dreamed. This pestilence that we're in, it's God's wake-up call on a worldwide scale. It's one thing when it's down the street. It's another when it's absolutely crawling everywhere. It is nothing less than a wake-up call. I believe every generation needs to be humbled and overwhelmed by something they cannot control or prepare for. I've watched in my... I was talking to Brother Mark uh, Prim, who's from a uh, missionary over in Ukraine. We were talking last night. We were talking about. He got. He came over and started a church in in uh, Odessa, and uh, he said, 20 years ago, everybody took tracks. Everybody talked about the gospel. They were all interested in what did God say. Now, they're all busy. They're all not interested. No time for God, and rushing off on on schedules. It's not the good times. It's not the. It's not the prosperous times. It's not the. Happy times that people go looking for God and that need God. It's in times like this. And so when God does something like this, I go, amen. Not that I want anybody to experience really trouble, but I know that every generation has to be humbled. Every generation has to say, my phone can't control that. My technology, science, education, government can't handle this. And that's good. Because we need God. No matter what disaster we may face, it is God putting us on notice that what we have sown we will reap. You can plant a small amount of rice and you'll get a bucket of rice back. You can plant corn and you get bushels of corn back in harvest four months later. And you can destroy the concept of marriage and instead of honoring uh, 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 one man and one woman and you start honoring abominable lifestyles putting every kind of filthy lifestyle on children at five and six years old you're going to reap the judgment of God what do you expect to happen when this nation Ireland like so many of others have voted for the right to murder children in the womb what do you expect to happen some nations have been carrying out this modern right for 50 years now What do you expect to happen when most people honor movie stars, sports stars, music stars above Jesus Christ? When people are constantly laughing at and enjoying wicked movies and entertainments that blaspheme everything good and clean and pure? When people ignore God's laws, neglect to learn and live by God's word, the Bible, when they criticize God and trash the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, folks, what do you expect to happen? What right does God have to do all these troubles in our world? Well, because he's God. That's why we forget that. Psalm 46, verse 10 says, be still. Now, Psalm 46 was written when there was great trouble going on around David and, and in his kingdom. And God spoke to him and says, be still and know I am God. So we forget God's God. We think our wallet is. We think the bank account. We think the government's doing just fine, controlling and taking care of everything. When they're not responsible for taking care of you, God is. Psalm 46 says, I am God. Just stop and know that He is God. Psalm 101, sorry, Psalm 100, verse 3 says, Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us. Whatever good is in your life is because God gave it to you. You say, well, I work for my living. Amen. But you've got health, you've got sanity, you've got opportunities, because God is being good to you. If if He is God, that means He's in charge. So when trouble comes in our life, it's because He's God. Number two, it's because He's right to bring judgment. You know, this world, this is His world, by the way. That life you're living belongs to Him. If you... uh, you come by my house and you trash my house, you wreck my car, uh, I couldn't prove it, but some of the kids in our neighborhood years ago, I went out to our car and there was a scratch along the side of the paint. You ever, you ever imagine the pain of noticing that? You mess with my car, <laughs> you attack my children, you'll have me to deal with, amen? We mess with people, we mess with, with believers, we mess with God's will. We mess with this planet. And I tell you what, God says, that's mine. Go to Acts chapter 13. Hold your place here. We'll come back to it. Or you can leave it. And we'll come back soon enough. Acts chapter 17. Which is a good part. You know, the gospel's always got two sides. You've got the bad side, the dark side, the negative side. That we've got to face the reality before we have the hope side. So Acts chapter 17, verse 31. Third reason why God has the right to do all this is because He is the judge of all the earth. Acts 17, 31, Paul is preaching. Verse 30, And at the, time, and the times of this ignorance, a lot of people are ignorant of God and His word. Well, okay, the times of this ignorance, God winked at. That means He closed His eyes and He let it go for a while. He's not being negligent. He's being long-suffering. And it says, verse 30, He says, But now commandeth how many all men everywhere to repent. Isn't that funny how this coronavirus is just about everywhere? It might just be, and I believe with all my heart, it's so that people fear God. And that all men everywhere need to repent. Verse 31, because he, God, hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man, I wonder who that is, whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, In that he hath raised him, that's Jesus, from the dead. God is the judge of all the earth. Romans 2.16 says, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. You know, it's the stuff we know about that the government is is corrupt in. It's the stuff we don't know about that God will judge. Question is not, does God have the right to afflict this world like this? No, that's not the question to ask. The question is, do we have the right to ignore, mock, trash and fight against God in our lives without consequence. You cannot live without consequence. Somebody says, I have free will. Of course you got free will. You can do whatever you want, but, you, but you're not free from the consequences of your decisions, are you? Now I can encourage you, God has a plan. And you can trust it. I don't believe this coronavirus is an accident. I'm not sure it was engineered. I have no idea where it came from or what it's doing. We know it started over there in China. But it is not an evolutionary event in history. It's not just a bad case of the flu either. Matthew 24. Go to the left. Find Matthew chapter 24. <clears throat> Matthew 24 and verse 6. Ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, okay? We hear of those all the time. doesn't affect everybody in the world right now. See that you be not what? I mean, what if there was trouble on the doorstep of Ireland and there was an army trying to get in, or if they were even, if they had snuck in and they were starting to sniper and kill off people? What does Jesus say to his followers? Be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, there shall be famines, and what's the next word? Pestilences. That's the same thing as a plague, as a a disease. There will be pestilences, earthquakes in diverse places, places all over the world. And these are the beginning. These are just the beginning. I'm watching the world go crazy. This is just the tip of the iceberg of the reality of what's coming in the tribulation. God has a plan. In spite of wars, in spite of nations rising against other nations, famines, pestilences, earthquakes. You know what's coming up? The end. God's not let this world just go on its way forever and ever and ever. People say, we've been here for four billion years. We have not. You know what the oldest tree is? The oldest tree around is about 4,600 years old. Only 4,600 years. That matches the time of the flood. Kind of interesting how God sort of makes it so that you can't escape that. They'll find a rock and they'll date it, you know, 28 million years ago. Look for the sell-by date on it. It's not there. They take a guess. The truth is this. The end is coming. You're in Matthew. Look down to verse 14, 24-14. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Look at verse 33. Verse 33. So likewise, when ye shall see all these things, hey, get excited. Know that the that it is near, even at the doors. It's knocking to get in. So everything is moving in one direction, folks, and that's to face the judgment of God. There are religions out there that says all we have to concern ourselves with is the love of God. No. The love of God is that He gave His Son so you didn't have to face the wrath of God. And if you don't face His Son and deal with Jesus Christ and and, uh, humble yourself before Him and let Him save you, you will still face the wrath of God. That's the truth. Every one of us, look in verse 44. Still in chapter 24, verse 44. Therefore be also, what? Be also ready for such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man, he's coming everyone needs to be ready and that's far more important than all the toilet paper in the planet you can have all the sanitizer hand sanitizer you can get your hands on you can have all the pizza stored up for the next month i'm going to tell you what if your heart's not right with god if you're not ready for jesus to come back you're doomed you and i need to worry more about god than the coronavirus. Um, Ecclesiastes 12:13 says let us hear the conclusion of, this, of the whole matter you ready to hear the conclusion of the whole point of life fear God and keep his commandments but this is the whole duty of man well shouldn't I wash my hands? of course you should wash your hands you didn't need a pandemic to get you to wash your hands I hope the whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments don't give God lip service now I'm glad you're here this morning But if you're just coming and going and coming and going every week and you're just going through the motions, let me tell you, you're wasting your time. It gives you no credit. You must be born again, Jesus said. You must repent and believe the gospel. Don't pretend to know God and to love God when you don't. I'd rather have a church of people who come, hell or high water, and love God and serve God and soul win and tithe and give to missions and hand out tracts I'd rather have just a few do that than a whole bunch of people come and go and never are different. Never are changed. You're in Matthew. Go to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28. Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear Him, which is able to, to destroy both soul and body in hell. All right, now that them was people. But don't fear a disease that'll kill. Now, you ought to be concerned about it. We're not talking about being stupid and thinking it doesn't exist and it doesn't affect you. No, it might kill you. But don't worry about it killing your body. Worry about God destroying both body and soul in hell. That's why you've got to be born again, because you're going to face Him someday. It is appointed to men once to die, and after this, the judgment. <clears throat> Isaiah 8, you don't have to go there, but Isaiah 8:13 says, Sanctify, sanctify the Lord of hosts himself. Sanctify means make him special. Put him aside. Make him holy in your heart. He already is holy, but see him as holy. Make him special in your life. Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself and let him be your fear and let him be your dread. The thing that you worry about upsetting. Do you know why I got saved? Because I did not want to go to hell. You well, know, that's a very selfish reason. Guilty. <laughs> I realized I was going to hell. I had enough sin record. I was only 17 years old, but I had enough sin record to send me away forever. How was I gonna work all that off? It wasn't possible. So Jesus gave his life for me. And if you if you just would stop and realize that. We're not saved from the problems of this life. There are people in this room who may get sick. I have no idea. All of the best, I've seen people who've eaten kale for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and they still get a heart attack. I know of people who are healthy, who are, who are doing everything right, and they still die early. Children die early. You cannot control your life. You can take care of it. You should exercise, eat right. Folks, let me tell you, take vitamin C. Boy, watch what you do. I understand all that. But we're not saved from the problems of life. Your pastor could get it. And it could be all gone. And I'd be, I'd be in heaven. I'd be going, nah, nah, nah. you got guys got to stick it out down there. We're not saved from trouble. We're saved from sin. We're saved from the coming wrath of God. So back to this Chronicles and we'll focus on what God wants us to hear. Second Chronicles chapter 7. Second Chronicles chapter 7. I'll read verse 13 again. <clears throat> Did you notice what God needs from us now? Verse 13 again. If I, God says, shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, verse 14, it's not a, there's no full stop there. It goes on, it says, If my people, which are called by my name, So number one, humble themselves. Number two, pray. Number three, seek my face. Number four, turn from their wicked ways. What's the next word? Then. Then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Most of the world is not going to hear this message. So God calls for His people to act. You know what? All over the world, there are people who are sitting in bed they're watching Netflix for the 80th hour so far this week. They're, they're, they're worrying about what they're going to have for breakfast and lunch and dinner. They're worrying about whether they're going to have toilet paper. Let me tell you, you need to worry about, you need to worry about this verse right here. God says, my people, those of us who belong to God, those of us with God's name on us, how many of you are a Christian? You see your hands. How many of you are a Christian? You're born again. Christian. You carry the name of Christ. You're called by my name. Uh, you're not called Ledbetterites. Um, you're not called by some, some teacher or some fancy... You know, there are people that dedicate their lives to, to fancy uh, um, uh, you know, uh, professors and teachers and music stars and stuff like this. I dedicate my life to Jesus Christ, and I carry his name. Those of us who have God's name on us, God asks for us to humble ourselves. What does that look like? It's when there's no more excusing our sins. It's when what we know in our heart of hearts, we go, you know what, I've made enough excuse of it. My attitude, my words, my eyes, what I look at, where I go, what I eat that's wrong, what I drink that's wrong, who I hang with that's wrong, when I no longer give an excuse, I can blame no one else for my wrongdoing. You know what humbling looks like? It's when you accept God's anger and wrath towards you as right. How many of you like somebody being angry at you? Let me tell you what. God is angry. And when I realize he's right to be, then you've humbled yourself. When we're ashamed of ourselves, when we're, when we're ashamed of how we're so much like the world, there are churches right now that if you went in there last week and most of the weeks before, now they're all on live feed. But there are churches, you go in and you go, is this a nightclub? Is this a place where Christians meet or is there drink on serve? They ought to be ashamed of themselves and humble themselves and say they become like the world and not like Jesus Christ. We need to humble ourselves. I'm way too much like the world. So little like Jesus Christ. If we were to look in in a mirror and compare ourselves with Jesus Christ, look in the mirror of his word we go I am way lacking God calls for his people to act to humble ourselves and secondly he says pray what a powerful four letter word powerful four letter word you know what prayer is it's a heart to heart honest and open talk with God I've had too many people say I don't know how to pray and I just want to slap them Because what they mean is, I don't want to be honest with God. That's what it means. I don't want to be open. I don't want to deal with anything. So, what do I say? That's why everybody loves a prepared prayer. Don't you dare think God respects that at all. What God wants to know is how you feel about what's in your heart. You may be so down, discouraged, defeated, messed up. I don't care. But when you're real, you're praying. Pray my people which are called by my name if they'll pray you think the world's going to pray well, oh they'll go through the motions oh yeah they'll go and they'll act like they're praying but if my people pray and then he says if they will seek his face and I think that's really cool because you ever, you ever gotten something for somebody and they open up the gift and what are you looking at as soon as they open up the box their face you want to know, are they happy or are they like, Ugh. <laughs> God says, would you pay attention to how I feel about things? If you were to check my face, because if you'll just want to know my pleasure, if you want to know how I think about what you're doing, seek my face, find out how I'm doing with all this sin going on. And then turn from our wicked way. That's the word repentance simply means to turn. You're going this direction and you finally realize this is stupid. This is wrong. This is going to lead me to hell. This is going to lead me to trouble. God's going to have to chasten me. I turn from that wicked way and I say I'm going to be like Jesus Christ. I don't know how. I don't know how I'm going to stay at this. But I turned, and I'm following Jesus Christ. And if we will turn from our wicked ways. How many of you are guaranteed of tomorrow? Let me see your hand. You have no guarantee of tomorrow. To turn from your wicked ways is something you've got to do now. You can't say, well, I'm 22 years old. i got plenty of time. You do not have plenty of time. There are people three weeks ago who could never have predicted what was going to happen and where things are going now. I really believe there is no one who does, who does not need to get right with God to some degree. It's a double negative, I know. Let me say it this way. Everyone needs to get right with God to some degree every one of us if my people repent there's a lot of repentance that needs to be done by the world amen there's a lot of wicked people that need to turn uh, 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 turn from their sin turn to God and have faith in Jesus Christ given but there's enough sin in our lives that we need to turn as well and then a blessed promise is made you see that last part then I'll hear from heaven that's when God will hear our smallest request and answer it And I will forgive their sins. You never know how priceless forgiveness is until you realize how much in trouble you are in. And he says he'll heal our land. I'm watching Ireland. I 25 years I've watched Ireland change far too much. And I need God to and Ireland needs God to heal this land from whatever's destroying it right now. Everything's destroying it. Let me say this, my biggest fear. My biggest fear is not the coronavirus or an earthquake or any other disaster. My biggest fear is that nothing will change. That this is going to pass and in a few months we'll all be back to normal. Everything will go back and we'll all be traveling. We'll all be back in church. We'll all have family get-togethers. We'll have summer. We'll have barbecues. And nothing will change. Can you imagine God doing this? And I believe it is God's hand that God doing this and trying to wake up the world and the world going, ho-hum, let's get back to world. Let's get back to life. That would be wicked, wouldn't it? I believe when the two towers fell over there in New York City, it was a call to repentance. I believe when Hurricane Katrina in America struck against the south coast of the United States in 2005, it cost 100 billion euros to recover from that. I believe that was a wake-up call. Back in 2004, there was something called the Christmas tsunami. How many of you remember that? It was on the 26th of December. But everybody woke up and we heard how 300,000 people were swept away to sea by a tsunami over there in Indonesia. I believe that was a wake-up call. Don't fear. Don't fear times like this. Fear God. If you're born again, you're okay. Make God your only concern. Go to, we're through here, go to John 14. Gospel of John, chapter 14. In verse 27. John 14:27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth. Give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be what? My heart on its own, if I'm not paying attention to it, my heart will become a free. My heart will become troubled. And Jesus says, don't let it. If I have a little dog, if I have a puppy, and I go outside with Rex, <laughs> and if I have no leash on Rex, where will Rex go? Anywhere you want in the neighbor's yard, do his business, down the road, in front of a car. And my heart, if I don't have anything controlling it, it will go crazy, folks. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't let it go where it wants. My peace I'll give to you. Let me read another one. Second Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us the spirit of fear. So anytime you're afraid of anything but Him, Bible says I didn't give that to you but I have given you the spirit of power and of love and thankfully of a sound mind Psalm 56 3 says we teach this to children when I am afraid what does the rest of it say I will trust in thee talking to God Do you know most of the book you hold in your hands if you held up your Bible right now three quarters of that book was written in some of the worst darkest times of trouble ever David wrote most of the Psalms while he was living in a cave, struggling to survive, struggling to, to flee from, from an army of, of, of people who wanted to kill him. Most of the people who wrote anything that are in this Bible under the inspiration wrote it under duress. Paul wrote some of his best epistles, some of his best letters while he was in prison while he was recovering from a shipwreck or he had been whipped and the whelps on his back were still a half inch high. That's when he wrote many of his letters. Let me tell you, trouble is is here. Look what God honored through all those valleys. You uh, You read Hebrews chapter 11, all those people of faith. Some of them lost their lives. Some of them went through hell on earth. Let me tell you. But God was honored by their faith. What's God going to be looking at your life for? Panic? you imagine going to heaven and have to answer for how many rolls of toilet paper you bought? Panic? Stressed out? Unable to sleep? Now I can understand all, all of that for a while, but at some point you've got to get a hold of your heart and say, no, no, I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm under the blood. This is a pestilence, and I'm just going to plead Psalm 91 that says, It will not come nigh me. Now it may, but even then you're okay. I mean, where are you going if you died? Honestly, there is no way we can lose. We're not stupid, but we are happy. Go to Luke 21. Luke chapter 21. Luke 21:25. Luke 21, 25. And there shall be signs in the sun. We haven't seen that yet. And in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth. What's the next three words? Distress of nations. I mean, distress is when you're panicking, when you don't know what to do. And it's on a, on, on not just a community-wide, or a, like from a flood, or area-wide, like an earthquake, but nations are distressed with perplexity. <laughs> I'm watching some of these leaders and their knees are shaking as they're talking and trying to answer people's questions about what's going to happen next. It goes on. The sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven one day shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory when these things begin to come to pass not when they end but when they just start to come to pass how are we supposed to react then look up lift up your heads for your redemption draw it nigh let me give you some thoughts don't let this disaster be wasted Isaiah 45 says this look unto me don't look at the coronavirus don't look at the statistics Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. Listen to God talking. He's talking to the whole planet. I think he's getting everybody's attention maybe, amen? For I am God and there is none else. Put God first again. Remember what you were like when you first got saved? If I asked you, when did you get saved? Oh, I got saved 10 years ago. What were you like back then? Oh, man, I couldn't wait for church. I was at church Sunday morning. I was at church Sunday night. I was at Bible Sunday every Wednesday. I read through my Bible two times the first time, the first year I was saved. Now what are you doing? Well, you know, I, I try to make it about two times a month to church. Well, you know, I haven't read my Bible through in about five years. Is that how you are? Go back and, and remember that first love. Put God first again in your life. Remember it was like, how nutty you were when you first got saved. One well, of the highest compliments I think I've ever gotten was when I was at work. I worked for the telephone company. And somebody would say, and I'd sit down and have, I'd bring my Bible to, to lunch, and I'd sit down in the cafeteria, and there's about 400 other people in there, and I'd set it down. I usually have one guy who'd sit with me. <laughs> and I remember I'd come in and I'd hear these words, Here's that preacher. I wasn't a preacher yet. Here's that preacher. Yes. <laughs> yearn, yearn to have that kind of joy you used to have when you first got saved. Take this as a reset moment to say, Lord, I, I want to be, be peculiar again. I want, a little, I want a little nuttiness back in my life. Don't waste this time. You need to worship God again like you used to. You need to get up in the morning and go, I'm alive. By the grace of God, I'm alive. Lord Jesus, I worship you. I love you. I want to tell you, thank you for giving me another chance to live. Help me live for you. Be patient. Don't waste this. Romans 8.28 is still true today. and It will be still true next week and the week after. For we know that all things work together for... It doesn't stop there says, for good to them that love God. It's not going to work together for good for everybody. Them who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. Wait on it, man. It's going to be all right. Can you you believe that? It's going to be all right. Now the world's going to say, we'll get back to normal. My prayer is that we don't get back to normal. If we had to meet in here from now on, so be it. If we had to meet in Celine's house, and we couldn't. (laughs) So be it. I don't care. We're the church. And if we had to simplify, I was actually thinking, no technology, let's just have church, but then people who want to watch it it live and stuff, and I go ahead. I'm just telling you, let's, let's not waste this worldwide event. God is doing something in our generation. He is doing something. I don't know what it is, but I want to be on the right side of it. So use your time wisely over the next few weeks. You may be sitting out of school for a long time. You may be trying to work from home for for a long time. Would you do me a favor? Don't waste it all on Netflix. We've been given a great opportunity to actually rest. My daughter talking to us, she said, "Dad, I I don't think I can handle all of the stress and all of the the um uh the the um projects and everything and all of a sudden <laughs> they're, giving, they're just giving off this, this coming week so they all go home and she's trying to she wanted to come all the way home but I don't think it's it's not possible at all but all of a sudden she can rest I don't know what God's doing but we've been given a chance to actually not be under so much stress anymore don't let the news ruin your sleep set aside time to read Gavin if you're giving the day off go home and read 10 chapters out of the Bible. Amen. All of us need to get back to reading that Bible through every year. At least four chapters a day. I mean, you can do 10. <coughs> Put the kids to, down for a nap. But mom, I'm 12 years old. You're going down for a nap. <coughs> and read your Bible. And start praying again. Too many people say, I don't have time to pray. Make time now. You've got time now. Give yourself to meditation on scripture. Pull out, your, pull out some cards and start writing down some scriptures that just lift your heart and encourage you, equip you to serve, and start reading them, memorizing them, meditating on them. This is what we should have been doing all along, and God's given us a chance to do it again. Two weeks ago, if I said, I need you to start memorizing scripture, you'd all go, I don't have time. You do now. You do now. Don't waste this time. Pray for our missionaries. Pray for our world. There are people who are on the knife edge. They need prayer. Keep gospel tracks with you. You never know how the Lord will open up something. You'll say some of the stupidest things. You won't say anything perfect, but you'll give somebody the gospel. I'd like to pray right now for Ireland. I'd like us to all bow our heads. For us to pray for our nation and pray for our world right now. Because there was a day where Daniel was in captivity. Things weren't going all perfect. Matter of fact, he had just come out of the lion's den. And he wrote these words. He said, Lord, we have sinned. We have committed iniquity. And we all have done wickedly. And we have rebelled. Even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. You know what Daniel is admitting? We need to repent. for for the sake of our nation. They're not going to repent. But if we get right, it will protect our nation and it can change the world. So Heavenly Father, God of heaven, you have been better to us than we we deserve. We have had long periods of time of peace and prosperity. We've known, most of our lives, we have known Years upon years of stability. has all changed. All through those years, it's been a touch and go trying to get people saved. Fewer and fewer people are interested in God. Fewer and fewer people even want to admit that there is a God. The truth is, sin is far too rampant. Even in primary school, sin is being shoved on to children. Almost every show on television and on movies is, is, is abhorrent to the Holy Spirit of God. What do we expect? We have sinned. We have committed adultery in our heart. We have committed envy and covetousness. We have stolen. We have broken your law. We have committed iniquity. We like to live in, in, in uh, an idea of, you know, I'm doing fine. What we mean is we haven't been caught. you got us now. I pray we'd be honest with you. Because if we confess our sins, you promise that you are faithful and you are just, you are right to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all iniquity. Oh, people want to be cleansed from the coronavirus. But we need a world cleansed from our sin and iniquity. Lord, our our track record is we have rebelled. When the preaching has gone forth, people have argued and excused themselves from not obeying. We have rebelled. We've left off the Bible. There are too many Christians today who don't even know what it says. So right now, God, I pray for your amazing grace on our families. Lord, there are people that are close to us that we worry about, we're concerned about. I pray for our families. I pray you keep us safe. Lord, it's only be, going to be by your grace. Yeah, we're going to try to keep everything clean. We're going to keep separate from people one meter, two meters. We're going to um, uh, isolate ourselves if we start to get sick. All of that is good, but Lord... We're asking you to watch over our families. God, we ask you for mercy on those that don't know God. Give them another chance. There are going to be thousands upon thousands of people who are going to die from this coronavirus. Most of them are going to be older. But one life is worth the whole world. Lord, I pray for mercy upon them. I pray that we would realize they need the gospel. God, there is, there is a, there's a need for us to not go into hiding but to still be a gospel witness. And we don't have to be crazy about it, but we do need to be faithful. I beg you to humble our leaders. I beg you to humble Leo Varadkar right now. God, right now, grab his heart, squeeze it hard, give him conviction of sin. Help him to know he needs you. He desperately needs to cry out to you. His sin has separated between you and him. But he can cry out to you. You can break his heart. God, would you please humble our nation, our national leaders. God, heal our land. I pray Ireland would not follow Europe anymore. The people of Ireland would... God, we'd have a great awakening. I don't know what's going to happen. This thing could go on... It could be really bad. It could turn around and be fine. All I know is Ireland's got to get right with you. Ireland's got to repent. So I pray for Ireland. And I believe it's only going to happen if we as Christians, we who are in the family of God, right now humble ourselves. So without me saying another thing, I'm going to give us a few minutes. Would you please humble yourself before God in this room, ladies and gentlemen? every eye closed, every head bowed. The Bible says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. I don't want you to worry about anything else or anyone else. I want you to say, Lord, my mouth has said things that I'm ashamed of. My eyes have looked at things that are, I'm ashamed of. And you know it, and I just haven't admitted it. Right now, I admit it. I confess it. I, I ask you, help me forsake it. I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to be like the Son of God. I'm supposed to be following Him. And I'm living like the devil. Please forgive us. Lord I don't know how honest we were I don't know how desperate we are if we're not we're going to be so right now I pray that this is a a starting point for us to stay humble to go back to the very real and most basic elements of Christianity and realize it's you first God it's you not about me and my pleasure it's, it's whether you're pleased it's whether you're happy with my life and whether I'm following your design for my life because I don't want to waste it I don't want to waste this opportunity but Lord there may be somebody in this room who put off talking to me about getting saved put off just cried out to you I pray today they do it not walk out of these doors the same. see they get born again cry out. They can do it right now, God. Please help them to realize they can trust you. You want them, you love them, you've done everything for them. they have have been too proud to actually admit it. God, for the rest of us, I pray we take it seriously. But this is for a reason. When we're on our homes and the hour upon hour drags on and our kids are getting on our nerves, help us to realize this is for a purpose. Don't let us waste it. In Jesus' name, amen. A way of conclusion, I believe this is only a taste of things to come. I mean, the Bible's talking about stuff. We can't imagine. This is not the tribulation. This is just a taste of the tip of the iceberg. I just know most people are going to refuse to listen. Most people are just going to go on their business, wait for economy to fix, and don't do that. God is knocking on the door of every heart right now. It's a call to open the eyes. Don't be a fool. Don't try to live like nothing's happening. And all will be okay at the end. Christian, you need to make sure of your faith. Examine yourselves and see if you are in the faith. Because what a waste. If you come to church, you read your Bible, and yet you've never... I mean, you you, you know all the lingo. But you've never made... Like I could be with Nita every, every time we get together. I go see her or whatever... And uh, she could even move in my house, ungodly wise, but, but I never asked her to marry me. Never say, I love you. I just sort of, we just sort of get together. You know I Don't do that with God. God wants to know, will you be his? Top to bottom.